continuing on in our study in the book of Romans. We were in the first 11 verses of uh, chapter 5 last week, and, uh, and then we're going to move into verse 12 today. And um, we've been, as we looked last week, we talked about uh, the justification that comes through Jesus Christ and his shed blood, and, um, and, and, and the benefits we gain through that. And that was, was exciting to look at. Today, we, we, uh, we want to go into the, the second half of this chapter, and, and Paul begins talking about sin in the human race. And so uh, that's our first point today. And let's look at what it says in verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now that's a pretty familiar passage of scripture to most of us, I am sure. But as we break it down a little, I just want us to notice a couple of things. First of all, it says, as by one man, sin entered into the world. Well, who was that one man? Well, that one man was Adam. And Adam's name literally means humanity. And uh, it was by the sin of Adam that all of us have become sinners, that we are sinners because we belong to Adam's race. Um, You know, at this point in time, all humanity is seen in having existed in him, in Adam. And, And his sin was imputed unto us, just like the righteousness of Christ is imputed unto us at the point of salvation. Adam's sin was imputed unto us. Uh, When man was made, when Adam was made, he was made in the likeness of God. We know that. We teach that. Man was made in the likeness of God. But man now carries also the likeness of fallen man. Aid Adam. We carry his likeness as well. Paul does not seek to prove the fact that we are all sinners uh, in Adam. He simply states it as fact. He says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. And then he says, and death by sin. What is the wages of sin? The Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is what? Death. It was physical death, and it was spiritual death. That is the wages of sin. That's what, that's what Adam and Eve suffered in the garden after the sin. And it's what we still suffer to this day. We die physically. Right, folks? The second we are born, we literally are beginning to die, right? Uh, our life has is, is got a time frame on it. We don't know what that time frame may be, but we, we literally are born and eventually we die physically. But there's also spiritual death, dying spiritually where we spend eternity someday. Death and sin are connected to each other. Because of sin, we have death. Remember, even back in the garden, even back in the garden, uh, uh, the God, when he was talking to Adam Adam and Eve, said, you know, if you eat of the tree, you will what? Surely die. That's what he said. And then here comes along Satan, and what does Satan say? The exact opposite. Ye shall not surely, what, die. Basically, he took what God said and did the exact opposite of what God said. And folks, that's what Satan's still doing today. 
every single time that, that we face temptation, God has told us one thing and Satan is telling us something else. God says, don't do this. Satan says, do this. God says, this will hurt you. Satan says, this won't hurt you. God says, do this. And Satan says, don't do it. I mean, whatever God says, Satan is the great counterfeiter. And so he is telling us the exact opposite of what God says. And that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When God said, don't eat of the tree or else you'll die. And Satan said, you're not going to die. But who was right? Adam and Eve died, folks. They're no longer with us. Why? Because God said, if you eat of the tree, you will die. Death and sin are connected. And so he says, wherefore is by one man sin into the world and death by sin. And then he said this, and so death passed upon all men. Death was imputed unto all of us through Adam. Now, you may protest. You may say, wait a minute. That is not fair. Well, let me tell you something. I grew up with a set of parents that loved me, and one of the things my mom taught me all through my life is, guess what? Life is not fair. I, I wish I had money for every time my mother told me that growing up. Life is not fair. And so we may protest, wait a minute, it is not fair that I have to bear the burden of sin because of Adam, because of Adam's sin. It's imputed unto me. But before we protest too quickly, folks, let us remember that we are saved by another man, Jesus Christ, and it's not through what we did. So we don't want to protest too quickly because the, we get the benefit on the other side of it and that Jesus Christ left heaven, came to this earth, lived on this earth, walked on this earth, earth shed his blood on the cross for your sins and mine so that his righteousness could be what? Imputed to me just like Adam's sin was. So I don't want to protest too quickly there <laughs> because I also reap the benefit of something being imputed, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But I want us to notice very quickly the last phrase in verse 12 because it's important. It says, for that all have sinned. Folks, I don't mean to shock you today, but every single one of you sitting in the pew today is a sinner. And your preacher standing in front of you is a sinner too. Every one of us. See, the world has a philosophy. The world's philosophy is that men are basically born good and their environment sometimes ruins them. That is the biggest lie in the world, folks. That is a lie straight from Satan. Because man is not born good. Man is born a sinner. That's the reality of it. Listen, we've had six children Six, there you go, six. We've had six children in our lifetime. You know what I noticed? You don't have to make a baby cry even when it's not hungry. It does that anyway. It lies. It makes it look like it's hungry, and it's really not hungry. You put about five toddlers in the nursery, and you can have a hundred toys, but they all want to play with the same toy. And then they get violent about it. Kids are ripping toys out of other kids. So we didn't sit down and have a class. Here's how you steal toys from another child. We didn't train them that way, right? They do it automatically. Why? Because there's a sin nature. Even in that beautiful little child, he is born with a sin nature. 
All of us have a sin nature. So do not buy into the philosophy that the world tries to teach us that we're all basically good and it's just sometimes society corrupts us. That is garbage, folks. That is so far from the truth. We are not basically good. We are, the Bible actually teaches us, we have a bent towards the wrong things. Our nature is bent towards sin. My inner man does not desire the right things. It desires the wrong things. So when I become a new creation, what's supposed to happen is I'm supposed to learn how to curb that inner man by relying on the strength from my God and Savior. That's what I'm supposed to learn to do so that I let his desires win out, not my desires. <coughs> but the fact of the matter is, folks, we are all sinful men. We are all found guilty. Psalm 51 Psalm 51 and verse 5 says this. It says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What does the psalmist there say? A psalm of David. He says, listen, I, I was, he says, I was shapen in iniquity. Where does this psalm come? It comes after Bathsheba and after the prophet Nathan. Do you remember the story? when Nathan pointed his finger in David's face, the king's face, and said, you are the man because of the sin. And so what does David say in the psalm? In sin, my mother conceived me. I was born in sin. I'm a sinner from birth. All are guilty. It's been said we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Who are all born guilty, folks. And that's what we have to understand. Every single one of us in this world is born guilty before God. And that's what Paul's trying to express through the book of Romans here. He spent so much time dealing with all the reasonings man can have for why he's not guilty. I follow the law. I'm a Jew. I'm, you know, all these things that man threw out there to prove that he wasn't guilty and Paul basically annihilated each one of those arguments along the way. We are all guilty. Every one of us. Matter of fact, sin was present in this world before the law even came. How do we know that? Because people died. Man died because of sin. And so we know that that was the case. And that's what he talks about in verse 13. He says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. In other words, there has to be a standard by which we are measured to see if we broke the law. That was the law when it came into place. When God gave Moses the law, that was the standard by then which man was measured. We're going to get back to that at the end today because it's very interesting what Paul says about the law. <coughs> but that was the standard. But the Bible, the Scripture here is telling us sin was there before the law. We know it was. Adam and Eve sinned. Cain slew his brother Abel. Men died before the law. So the, the, the result of sin, the punishment for sin is death. People died, therefore there was sin before the law. We have to understand that. But then he goes to verse 14, and this is point number two here, the type of Christ. Notice what he says. He says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. He just said, you know, the law came as a measuring guide from Adam to Moses. From that time frame before the law, he says, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, 
And then notice what he says, the last phrase in this verse, who is the figure of him that was to come, a reference to Jesus Christ. See, Adam is a type of Christ, and, uh, and he's referring to Jesus Christ in this passage. When Adam was first dropped on this earth by God, when God formed him, Adam was sinless, just as God is sinless. But Adam chose to sin. And it was because of Adam's sin that that sin is imputed unto us. And you may say, well, Eve sinned first. She ate ate of the fruit first. But Eve was tricked. She was beguiled by the serpent. Adam sinned of his own free will. And it's Adam's sin that's imputed unto us. But Adam is a type of Christ. Both Adam and Christ did things that had consequences. <coughs> the consequence of what Adam did is death. The consequence of what life did is, is what Christ did is life. And so we're going to see that as we continue on in this passage. Because point three today is the work of Christ and Adam. The work of Christ and Adam. Notice what it says in verse uh, 15. It says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Now, notice what it says here. It says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. So the offense came from Adam. Adam's sin brought the offense, brought sin imputed to us. But then he says, not like that comes a free gift, the free gift of salvation. That's what he's talking about. So it's not like that, that Adam did it. It was just imputed automatically to us. It's a different way. Here's a free gift offered. Now, folks, here's the thing with a gift. A gift can be offered, but not necessarily accepted. See, the gift of salvation is there. It's there for every one of us. The Bible is clear that all can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The gift has been offered. It's sitting there. I almost picture like God's hand holding a gift that says grace, salvation, whatever whatever term you want to put with it. That He's holding out the gift. And I can take it or I can snub it. I can turn my back and walk away. You know, I, I like Christmas, folks. You know that. I, I like gifts. I like gift giving. And I like gift receiving. <laughs> we, just, we just had Father's Day with our anniversary on top of it. And it was last Sunday. And I told Alyssa after the church service, I said, let the gift giving begin. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's lay it on me. It's Father's Day and anniversary combined. Let's get with it. Let's go. Had to wait all the way till supper time. <laughs> but you know what? When that, my kids gave me those cards with those gifts in them, I could say, oh, that's real nice. I'm not going to take it. The gift was still there. The gift was presented. But not everybody accepts the gift. And that's what we find in salvation. That's why it says in this passage that the the gift, not like Adam's gift that automatically was imputed to us, but the gift is offered as a free gift. And then it says, For if through the offense of one many be made dead, people die and go into eternity unsaved because of the offense of Adam, much more the grace of God 
and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. What is he saying? Many people have accepted the gift. But not everybody that could have accepted it does accept it. But I want us to notice two little words in there. Much more the grace of God. He says, listen, Adam left us, I wouldn't put the term gift, he left us an offense. And the offense was, we are now all guilty of sin. But much more the grace of God abounded to mankind. The grace of God is available to us. The consequence of Adam's offense is that many died. The consequence of God's grace <coughs> is that it abounded to many. When you think about the result of, of Adam's offense, death, judgment, condemnation, death reigning over man. That's what it says in this verse. It says, nevertheless, death reigns. Death reigns over man. That's the consequence of Adam's offense. But then you think of the result of Christ's gift. Grace, justification, righteousness, and reigning in life. That's what it says here. It's, it says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Boy, what a beautiful passage when you think about what's being said there. For if by one man's offense... Death reigned by one. And there's this phrase again. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. See, folks, Adam and his offense was imputed unto all men. God's grace through Jesus Christ is available to all men. See, it would not be fair, and this is where you could scream it's not fair, is if Adam's offense caused imputed sin to all man, but then God's grace was only available for some man. See, there's a problem. All and all. The sin was imputed to all. The grace is extended to all. We just have to choose to accept the gift. Why wouldn't we accept the gift? Why would anybody snub the gift? I don't understand. And it just doesn't make sense to me. Why would we turn our back on the free gift that's offered? But man does. So under Adam, death reigned. Under Jesus, we can reign. Much more grace. And then we come to point number four, the identification in Adam or Christ. Notice what it says in verse 18. Verse 18, it says this. It says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men 
unto justification of life. You say, well, Pastor Biggs, how can we be sure that all men can be saved? Because that verse just told us all men can be saved. That verse says, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon how many men? All men. Not some men, not the elect men, all men. The gift was for all unto justification of life, salvation. The gift is for all. It's just a matter of accepting it. And that's what Paul states in this passage. By one offense, judgment came upon all to condemnation. By one free gift, all men could have justification of life. Remember, the gift is free, (laughs) but by, like every other gift, it has to be accepted. The gift is presented to all, but not all will accept. There's a doctrine out here called the doctrine of universalism, and that says that all men are saved whether they know it or not. (laughs) But this is not true because earlier in the gospel, Paul has already shown us that man perishes because of his sin. So some people would turn that verse around and twist and say, well, see, all men are just automatically saved. (laughs) You you might be saved kicking and screaming, but you're going to be saved. That's not what Paul teaches because Paul teaches that man die in sin and spend eternity in hell. And he's already done that earlier in, this God, in, the, in, in the book of Romans. So that definitely doesn't work. That takes us to verse 19. Verse 19 says this, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. See, folks, my obedience, my righteousness doesn't play into that at all. Why? Because Isaiah 64 tells me my righteousness is as filthy rags. That's what the scripture says. Ken Biggs' righteousness are filthy rags. That's all they are. So my righteousness doesn't play into that equation at all. For by one man's sin, Adam's, death entered in. And so by the righteousness of, not Ken Biggs, but another, Jesus Christ, salvation came in. Has nothing to do with my righteousness because it's not my righteousness listen folks i'm not going to heaven someday because i lived a good life that's not why i'm going to heaven i'm going to heaven because the shed blood of jesus christ covered my sin and he justified me just as if i had never sinned that's why i'm going to heaven someday it's his righteousness that's imputed unto me so with these things being said then paul knows that constantly the Jews go where? They keep going, they go back to the law. Remember, we've already looked at that. They, went, they keep going back to the law. They keep going back to the fact that they're a Jew. So, so Paul anticipates that. And so he addresses the issue before the question's even asked. He says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. So let's think about that. What did Paul just say? He said the law came into play so the offense so sin might abound. That kind of sounds strange. What is is he talking about there? The law comes in so sin can abound. What he's saying is the law came in as the guide, as as the line in the sand, as the line you don't cross, and because of that it exposed man for who he really is, a great sinner. And so his sin 
became more apparent. His sin abounded more, not necessarily because there was more of it, but because compared to the standard, boy, my sin looks pretty bad. You know, folks, when we compare our lives to the standard that we have today, life doesn't look so good for us in my own righteousness because it's not good. And the law demonstrates that. The law shows just how dirty, filthy my sin looks because it's compared to a holy standard, God himself. What does the scripture tell us? Be holy, for I am holy. That's the standard. A standard none of us can live up to, by the way, in this life, but we are supposed to strive for it. We're supposed to try. But God says, be holy, for I am a holy. That's the standard. And so when the law is there, it shows just how far I am from reaching the standard. But now comes the beautiful part of that verse, because I stopped halfway in. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, he just said sin's going to abound because of the law. He says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And all I can say, folks, is amen <laughs> and hallelujah. Where sin abounded, grace abounded what? More. There was more grace than the sin that abounded because the grace that comes through Jesus Christ for the sin that's in my life and the undeserved favor of God on me and on you. He says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God's provision for us. There was a gentleman whose name was uh, Sam Duncanin. He was a, a simple guy, had very few talents in life, but he had a great desire to do something for the Lord. So he made it his practice to cut pictures from cards and magazines <laughs> and, to post these on the, and to paste onto the pictures appropriate verses or poems, and then he would give them as little gifts to the people around him. One day Sam came across a picture of Niagara Falls, but for a long time could find no poem or verse or any appropriate saying for the picture. Then he heard Ira Sankey sing a hymn, and the moment he heard it, he knew he had found what he needed. The hymn went like this, Have you on the Lord believed? Still there's more to follow. Of his grace have you received? Still, there's more to follow. Oh, the grace the Father shows. Still, there's more to follow. Freely, he his grace bestows. Still, there's more to follow. More and more and more and more. Always more to follow. Oh, his matchless, boundless love. Still, there's more to follow. And underneath the picture of Niagara Falls, Sam wrote these words. More to follow. What better picture could there be of God's abundant grace to us? As you just picture the water just cascading out of the falls and just picture it as the words grace coming down on top of us and it just keeps coming and it just keeps coming and it just keeps coming and it never stops. What a beautiful picture of the grace of God where sin abounded Grace did much more 
abound. And then he ends with this. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. He said, listen, sin has reigned unto death, but there's good news. And good news is in the, is in the process he lays out for us. Grace reigned through righteousness unto our eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a beautiful picture. Paul paints for us in the second half of chapter 5 here a clear understanding that all mankind stand before God, again, guilty. But we're guilty because of the sin that was imputed to us through Adam. But all mankind has the opportunity to stand justified because of the grace that's given to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a beautiful picture of that. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed as we come to the end of the message. This is is really a very simple passage in Romans 5 here, folks, but it's so profound. So profound. Because, Because Paul is painting these pictures so that we can clearly understand where the justification comes from. He has spent the first four chapters of Romans demonstrating to us that every one of us is guilty and that most of the ways mankind wants to come to his justification, they don't work. Being a Jew doesn't work. Following the law doesn't work. Having good works doesn't work. Being intelligent doesn't work. He's he's walked us through each one of those steps to show us that these things don't work. But what does work is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that's imputed unto you and me when we accept the free gift. The free gift. That's all we have to do. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to Ask Elizabeth just to play a verse of a hymn. Maybe the Lord spoke to your heart today and you need to spend time in prayer. We'll give you just a minute this morning.